0: Well, we got the Masters going on, the basketball championships, so I thought for this week and next week, I'd talk about living life at championship level. Uh, When I say that, no, we can't all win a gold medal. I'm aware of that. But when I use championship level, I'm simply referring to the characteristics of people who succeed in life well. There are certain things they do consistently, whether it's spiritual or secular, and we can emulate those characteristics to live our best life or to live life at championship level. So here's what Paul says to Timothy. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. It says, Follow the Lord's rule for doing work just as an athlete either follows the rules or is disqualified and wins no prize. Everybody in this room, or those watching or listening online, want to succeed. But what makes a champion or a winner? Uh, how do you get from where you are to where you want to be? What makes a team a championship team? What makes a salesman, a surgeon, a lawyer, a schoolteacher, a mechanic, a businessman, a soldier, you know, go, go from being average to becoming the best himself or herself in their field? What makes a man like Joseph, who endured the rejection and hatred of his own family and endured the change of slavery in Egypt and the false accusation of a lust-driven woman that put him in jail, although he was completely innocent? What caused him to rise from the depths of absolute despair to the pinnacle of incredible accomplishment as the prime minister of Egypt in one day? You know, one day can change your whole life. One day. One email, one phone call, one contact can change the direction of your life. What are the characteristics of a champion like Moses? He was a murderer in Egypt. He went to the backside of the wilderness for 40 years where he was a forgotten shepherd. Then, in a matter of days, became the God-appointed leader of millions of people and the author of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. What made the Apostle Paul, who was blinded on the road to Damascus, who escaped a mob out to kill him in a basket let over a city wall, who was stoned and left for dead, who was bitten by a poisonous viper, who was shipwrecked, who was beaten with a Rome cat-a-nine-tail three times? You do think you had a bad week? You ever read this stuff? These are real people. They didn't get an easy life. What, it made, what made it possible for this champion of God, Paul, to write 75% of the New Testament and to receive a guided tour of the third heaven and then to write this. Oh, by the way, these light afflictions are not worthy to be compared with the things God has prepared for those that love him. Light afflictions. <laughs> so what are the characteristics of champions in the Bible? champions in life. What did they do, and what can we learn from them to reach our full potential to live our best life? Remember that winning is a choice. You were not born to win. You must choose to win. Throughout Scripture, God says, choose life or death, blessing or cursing. You're born to choose, my friend. So let's look at seven characteristics this morning of champions, people who do life well. Number one, now this is for us as Christians. The most important step in any champion's life is choosing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Why, Rick? Because the Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and then lose his soul? Jesus told a religious leader, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. No option. You must be born again. And if you had enough money to make Warren Buffett and Bill Gates look like homeless men, without Jesus, you're a certified loser because you've lost your eternal soul. I don't know how anybody thinks that's a good deal. See, life on earth is temporary. The Bible describes it as a vapor, just a puff of smoke that quickly vanishes away. It's so short, and then you're gone. But the question is, gone to where? Gone to eternity. After your last breath has been breathed, you step into a world that never ends. See, there was a day when you were not, but there will never be a day you will not be. You're going to be somewhere. When Moses led the children out of Israel, you and I were not. When Caesars ruled Rome, you and I were not. When Christopher Columbus discovered America, you and I were not. When the Founding Fathers penned the Constitution of the United States, you and I were not. But there will never be a day in the future where you will not be somewhere. One second after you breathe your last breath, you will be in eternity, either in the presence of Almighty God or in a place the Bible calls torment and darkness. So you choose. And I implore you today, choose Christ not choose a denomination, choose Jesus Christ. Here's what he said in Acts 4.10. There's no other name given among men, real simple, whereby we can be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to me or to the Father but by me. I I think that's about the simplest presentation of the gospel you could ever hear. There's no other name. I don't know what Peter's going to do any good on my dash or any other statue of anybody there's just one name that is the key to eternity it's Jesus that's it it's not hard you don't have to be a theologian you don't have to have a college degree you don't even have to have a GED you just have to have half a brain to know he said the salvation eternal life it's just in me so you're not born to lose God doesn't manufacture junk he doesn't sponsor flops So, step one in living your best life and become a champion is choosing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Point number two champions all overcame adversity and disability. I don't care if it's religious, spiritual, or secular, I don't care what it is, you will face setback, adversity, and disability. It takes some people out of life, out of the race, others, it makes great. Moses was slow with speech, and God had to give him somebody to speak for him. Obviously, he wasn't married at the time. (laughs) Moses also, no notes, please. Moses also had a temper problem, a bad one, and he killed an Egyptian in a rage of anger. He struck the rock that provided water, and he did it mad when God told him, only speak to it. You strike it once, then after that, you speak to it. And because he got mad and struck it again, God refused to allow Moses to enter the promised land because of his temper problem. If you've got a temper problem and you can't get it under control, you better get it under control because it can cost you part of your divine destiny. Look at the champions that God used to bless humanity and look at the adversities, disabilities, and setbacks they had to overcome. Triple a young woman and make her a paraplegic because she dove in a shallow water and paralyzed her, her spine. You've got Joni Erickson painting beautiful pictures from a wheelchair with a paintbrush in her mouth. And she travels the world giving a testimony about faith in Jesus. Lock a man in prison. You've got a John Bunyan, Watchman Nee, the Apostle Paul, and a host of others. Bury a man in the snow of Valley Forge. You've got George Washington. Strike him down with polio. Strap him in a wheelchair. You've got President Franklin D. Roosevelt, who on the day after the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, lifted America from the grip of fear by saying we have nothing to fear but fear itself. a genius musical composer. You've got a guy named Beethoven. Have a girl born blind and deaf. Talk about a problem. And you've got Helen Keller, who graduated from the university with honors. And we had trouble getting our kids to do homework. (laughs) Have them born black in a nation filled with racial discrimination. And you've got Booker T. Washington. You've got uh, George Washington Carver, Martin Luther King Jr., and a host of others. Call him a slow learner, mentally disabled, uneducatable. And you've got Albert Einstein. Having born of parents who survived Nazi concentration camps, but paralyzed him from the waist down when he's four, and you've got the world-renowned concert violinist, it's Zach Perlman. Having born to parents who lived in political slavery, whose birth was said to be illegitimate, who was hated by the state church, and who was murdered by the state as an insurrectionist, too dangerous to live, and you've got Jesus of Nazareth. See, Jesus didn't come to earth to do away with suffering. He did not come to explain difficulty. He came to fill agony with his divine presence. He came to make the impossible possible. He came to be a burden bearer. He came to be a way maker. He came to prove that nothing was impossible to those that believe. He came to say that regardless of your adversity, regardless of your disappointment, your setback, regardless of your birth, regardless of what race you're born into, you can still live your best life. The choice is yours. I give you the power. Use my name. When I step into the kingdom of God, I'm, not in, a, I'm in a spiritual kingdom. My race doesn't matter whether I'm a a single mother. doesn't matter whether I'm a minority. doesn't matter. I'm a child of the living God. I've got an advantage now. Maybe others in, in my background, my family, my race, maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't know anything. But you know better. You have authority. You have a name. You have covenant privileges. Use it. Use it. You don't just sit on your bottom and wait for Peter Pan to come flying through here and put pixie dust on you. It ain't going to help anybody. Third characteristics of champions and people who live their best life. They use the power of proclamation, what they declare. Proclamation is the opposite of negative talk. Show me somebody always whining, and I'll show you somebody achieving nothing. Proverbs 18, Verse 21, the book of wisdom, life and death are in the power of the tongue, your mouth. (laughs) You know, a good coach will tell these players at the beginning of the season that we're going to win the division championship. Now, maybe they've never ever won it. Maybe they've never won anything. Maybe because of past failure, they don't even expect to win. But if you're a good coach, a great coach is going to say, you're going to win because I'm going to make sure you're in better shape than the team we play. In fact, take a picture of your backside because you're never going to see it again. Now that's an optimistic declaration of a good coach. Can you see that you have to believe it? Not my mommy or daddy, you have to believe it. Not my wife, I have to believe it. Before you can achieve it. And some of you have had a parent or a coach or some person tell you you can't achieve more than you already are and that you've reached the limit of your potential. You show me that in scripture and I'll run naked across this stage. I'm not worried because you ain't gonna find it. But the grand designer of your soul and your heart and your mind and your body can make you more than you ever dreamed of becoming, he can make something out of nothing. When when, when David ran towards Goliath, remember what he shouted? He said, hey, Sparky, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you in the name of Lord of armies. And I'm telling you, that proclamation from David's mouth had more to do with the victory than the stone that came out of his slingshot. Moses went to Pharaoh. He made the exact proclamation God gave him before each plague. And when Moses said what God told him to say, proclamation, The plague came immediately upon Egypt, and the most powerful nation on earth at that time was crushed. If Moses had not said it, the plague wouldn't have come. The proclamation of righteous people has more supernatural power than you can possibly imagine. In Revelation 12, verse 11, it says, They, speaking of believers, overcame him... That's Satan, the accuser, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, their proclamation, what they said. Now, I haven't done this in a while. Let's do a simple proclamation together just to give you a feeling that comes from God's Word when we declare it in faith. Shall we together? Let's say, through the blood of Jesus, I am redeemed out of the hand of the devil. Through the blood of Jesus... All my sins are forgiven. I am washed whiter than snow. Through the blood of Jesus, I am constantly being cleansed from all sin. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified, made righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. Through the blood of Jesus, I am sanctified, made holy, set apart unto God. Through the blood of Jesus, God is constantly calling out for me on my behalf in heaven. Now give him a little shout of praise. Lord, we bless you. We thank you. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb. Through the blood of the lamb, we have victory over the devil that is a, and These are just scriptural truths. You need to proclaim vacuuming, making the bed, cleaning up the bathroom, making, doing your hair and makeup. Say something. Don't moan and complain. Make some declarations. See, you have no idea when we just did that in the spirit world what you've done. You put a blow right between the eyes of the prince of darkness and rolled him like a beach ball off your life. And you have to keep resisting the enemy. But you do it with a proclamation like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. Oh, I don't know. I'm so old I probably won't get another job. It'll be hard. I won't make. If I could shut you up, you just might live. I mean, you know, one of the prophets in the Bible kept moaning the fact about age and God had to shut his mouth until John was born. John the Baptist, and he named him, and then God opened his mouth. You know, if God did that, church would really be silent today. It'd be shocking how many people had lockjaw just because that's just defeating them. So be careful. Be careful what you say. Cindy and I do these confessions. I get up, get my coffee first, then I start, (laughs) I proclaim I'm going to live and not die. But we go outside, if I'm t- walking the dog, whatever I'm doing, I'm talking. I am quoting scripture. I am begotten of God, the wicked one touches me not. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I say every disease-carrying German virus that touches my body will die instantly in the name of Jesus. I am redeemed, justified, sanctified through the blood of Jesus Christ. I keep shouting it. Now, you might have to do it off a card, a sheet, something, a notepad, or your iPad. Fine. But at some point, it'll get in your spirit. You won't even have to look. You can just declare it. And that's exactly what God wants you to do. Number four, champions are persistent. Persistent. They don't take no for an answer. They don't quit easy. See, history has shown us the most celebrated champions encountered heart breaking obstacles before they became champions they were winners because they refused to become discouraged by defeat and everybody gets a defeat too many people quit on a one yard line and they give up in the last minute of the game when many games can actually be won watching some of the playoffs in there it was interesting just before the buzzer goes off a guy shoots a a three-pointer swish changes the whole thing they win it's not over until it's over and okay, I can't say that can I, honey? Okay. It, well, God has the only last word's God. He's got the last word over your life. Yep. Proverbs twenty four sixteen. Though the righteous man falls seven times, he didn't have any advantage that he can't have a, a setback. He gets up eight. And that's the secret to being a champion, to live in your best life. You've just got to get up from a setback, from defeat. See, winning is getting up one more time when you get knocked down. And don't worry about who got knocked down more or less. Doesn't matter. Get back up. Well, I'm slow. Well, I'm slow too. Just get back up. (laughs) See, you're not whipped until you think you are. And if you think you are, you are. And if you think you can't, you probably can't. There's a picture on the screen, a guy named Terry Fox. He lost his right leg to cancer. It was amputated to the knee. And Terry embarked on a cross-Canada run called a Marathon of Hope. He did this in 1980 to raise money for cancer research. He shuffled and hopped in a running style that took him 24 miles a day. Get a picture of that. That's almost a 26-mile marathon every single day, and he did it on an artificial leg with cancer. Terry Fox managed to run for 143 days, covered more than 3,339 miles from Starting Point in St. John's, Newfoundland to Thunder Bay, where he had to abandon his run because doctors found cancer had now spread into his lungs. Terry died a few months later, but his persistence left a legacy. So around Europe, even to this day, annual Terry Fox runs are held in Canada and other parts of the world. And to date, they've raised over $350 million for cancer research. When Terry was asked how he pushed himself to continue over 3,000 miles on an artificial leg and with cancer in his lungs, he said, and I quote, I just kept running to the next telephone pole, and when I got so tired I thought I'd fall down, I looked at the next telephone pole and I ran to that pole. It's always too soon to quit. You gotta get back up. Watch this brief video of a runner falling. Falling down, gets up quickly, but that's gonna cost her. Lucky she wasn't injured. Her teammate just went to the front, though, so they may be able to recover from that. And Dornadon is flying down the back She stretch. is she catching is, up. She is going to catch Fondor, and she may catch the leader. Wow. wow. She's got fun. This is a gutsy effort by Dornadon. Can't you pull it off? She's moving to third. Dornadon coming down the stretch from the outside. Dornadon coming on strong. Dornadon all the way. Dornadon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she did it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. That is amazing. See, it's not over till it's over. You get back up. I don't care if it's embarrassing. I don't care if you if you really screwed up and made a terrible choice or a mistake, whatever it may be. The only thing that can just take you out is to quit. You've got to get back up. If you're gonna stay married, if you're gonna have kids, if you're gonna deal with life, a career, job, unknown health issues, you've got to be resilient to get back up. I don't know anybody from the top to the bottom that doesn't face adversity and bad setbacks. Nobody. But you just didn't see them when they had to get back up. You probably saw them at the finish line. Now get up. You're not whipped until you are. How many of you use WD-40? Got it in your ca- cabinet or garage? Come on. WD-40. Water displacement. WD stands for water displacement, and the 40 is it took the company 40 attempts over a long period of time to get the ingredients right and to get it to work. WD 40. 40 attempts. Amazing, huh? James Dyson, who invented this incredible vacuum cleaner, failed 5,126 times. And he stayed with it. And the payoff was a multi billion dollar company. Now, if the average Christian had been there, he'd have quit after the first failure. <laughs> Say, Well, I think it's gonna rain, I'm not going to church. <laughs> I feel tired today. And no wonder not much ever happens. See, have you given up on your dream? Difficulties or opportunities to better things, to improvement. They're stepping stones to victory. When one door closes, God always opens another door, and no man can shut that door. So try again. Get up. Try again. Nothing is impossible to those that believe, Jesus said. Lift your head. Square your shoulders. You can do it, because defeat is not in our Christian pedigree. Fifth characteristics of people who live their best life. Of champions. They recognize the power of partnership, teamwork. Jesus started his ministry with 12 disciples. They were partners in his ministry. Now, if you're on a team, you call the other people teammates. If you're a business, you call them stockholders or staff. If you have a church ministry, you can call them covenant partners who support you. The outreach of Summit Christian Center is determined by the faithfulness and loyal support of our members, partners, who give faithfully every week as God directs them. And our promise is to preach God's Word faithfully and fearlessly every time we stand. And together, we're preaching good news of Jesus Christ to our city, state, and regions of the world. And I want to thank every one of our members for making this possible. Thousands of people will be in heaven because of your faithfulness every single week in your sacrifice. This postcard came from Sydney, Australia this past week on my desk. It says, Dear Rick, thanks for your word uh, today on Hillsong Online. I, I preached to their Hillsong channel, and they're not allowed to assemble. And so every church in Australia and around the world it's Hillsong was watching online as I spoke. But she said this, It's what caught my attention. She said, on Easter morning, 1997, you preached in Hillsong, Sydney, Australia. It was my first time that I ever attended. I'd never even heard of Hillsong before I came. And I came forward that morning, and I've been a faithful member of Hillsong for 24 years. May God bless you. Thank you for your faithfulness forever. Ootsie Sutter. I thought, there's one. And that's part of you as we preach in different nations of the world. And most people would never send a a postcard at this price to to somebody in another part of the country. So you just have no idea how many lives we touch together as a team, as a a family together. Now, partnership doesn't begin at 5,000. It begins with two. Jesus said, if any two of you can agree, And he figured that'd be a miracle if just two American Christians could agree. You can ask what you will, and God will grant your petition. You don't need thousands to move heaven if any two of you can agree. Now, you can call that a personal prayer partner. You can call that partner a husband or a wife. You can call that partner an executive assistant, a stockholder, or a quarterback, but with one. You're on your way to becoming more successful than you ever dreamed when you recognize the power of other people to help you achieve that dream. What does Solomon write in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9? Two are better or stronger than one, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. We are better together. We are stronger together than alone. You can run faster alone, but you can run farther together. That's why we need each other. None of us, whether it's in business, sports, the corporate world, or church, are going to be very successful without a good team. Everybody doing their part. Nobody has the same part, but everybody doing their part at the top of their potential makes for a championship team. Number six, Champions are clear on their purpose, why they're here. What are you doing? What are you supposed to be doing? Paul says, this one thing I do. He knew exactly why he was here. So what were you put on this earth to do? Without a specific purpose in life, you wander, you drift, and you eventually go in circles. Now, you might go in circles with great velocity, but you're still going in circles. Movement is not direction. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. But the sucker is still broken, right? So my divine purpose is to proclaim good news. I'm aware of other good things I could do, probably would like to do. But if I refuse my assignment, even though I might like to do other good things, then I fail in my purpose because I'm not doing the thing God designed and made me to do. And by the way, if you hate what you do, you're not doing what God made you to do. And if you suck at it and you're not any good, you're not doing what God made you to do. These little silkworms hanging out of oak trees, me getting in my hair and on my neck because we got oak trees, but he's doing what God designed him to do. He got his little web and he eats the leaves of an oak tree. Then later he'll spin into a cocoon. He'll come out a moth and then chew up your sweater and your fabric in the closet. But he's, but he's doing what God made him to do. That's all I'm saying. I'm, don't compare your purpose to somebody else's. We're not the same. Not supposed to be. So we're all different. God loves diversity. But I mean, God put you here for a divine purpose. He allows us to do a lot of things occasionally, but there's one thing that I am called to do that I better not vacillate on. See, God put us here for a divine purpose. What is it? See, when you find it, your life explodes with joy. You keep your eye on the prize, and you move straight forward every day of your life. I don't have to say, wonder what I'm going to do today. I've got a purpose. I'm fixed. I know. If I have spare time and I can do something else that I would enjoy, it's perfectly permissible. But I can't engage in other things that would take me away from my main purpose. And that's when life starts to become significant because you are pursuing your divine purpose. And last, number seven. Champions, people who live life to the full potential, take 100% responsibility for their lives. They take 100% responsibility for their lives. Here's what he says in Romans 14, verse 12. We must all give account of the deeds done in our body, whether good or bad. Every one of us will give an account for our own life before God. You will not answer for your parents, your pastor, your teacher, or the president. You're gonna answer for you. You have to take 100 responsibility for your life. I think the greatest myth perpetrated in our culture is that we are entitled to a great life. The idea that somebody else, but not me, is responsible to make me happy but this world owes you nothing. It was here before you ever got here. There is only one person responsible for the quality of your life, and that's you. And that's me, simple. If you want, and see, Americans don't wanna hear that. No, I want no-fault divorce. Well, it's somebody's fault. I want no-fault insurance. Well, it's somebody's fault and you drove drunk, ran a red light and hit me. What you mean, no fault? That's the way we wanna live. So if you wanna become uh, your best life, if you want to reach your full potential, if you want to be a champion in life, then you got to take 100% responsibility for everything in your life, your health, your level of achievement, the quality of your relationships, the quality of your marriage, your physical fitness, your income, your debts, your feelings, everything. Most Americans have been conditioned to want to blame somebody else for the part of my life I don't like. We blame our parents, we blame our boss, we blame our friends, we blame our spouse, we blame our co-workers, we blame the weather, the economy, we blame lack of money. There are just two kinds of people in this room and watching online. Those who make good and those who make excuses. Excuses are the crutches of the uncommitted. Always. George Washington Carver said 99% of all failure comes from people who have a habit of making excuses. And if you make excuses, you'll never make anything. Everything you experience today is a result of your choices made in the past and mine. You'll be tomorrow what you decide to be today. See, the fact is you can't continue the same behavior and get a different result. Right? You're going to have to put something new into this formula. you got to stop whining, sucking your thumb, crying, and take responsibility for where you are. Now, why should you stop whining? You aren't going to like this because nobody cares. (laughs) People have their own problems. They may give you, oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. But they don't care because they're going home to their problems. You need to hear that. Nobody wants to hear me get up here and talk about my problems. No, you want to tell me your problem. I understand that so it doesn't offend me. Let me put it another way. You're the one who ate all the junk food that made you bigger than you should be. You did it. You're the one who took the job you have. You're the one who gave your credit card to the store clerk to make all those purchases online or wherever. You're the one who chose to violate the laws of God. You're the one who chose to abandon your dream. You're the one who said, I don't care what you say. I'm going to. You're the one who dropped out of school. So stop complaining. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming other people. If you want to look at your worst enemy, look in the mirror. Paul says, let a man examine himself. So I ask you, are you happy? Do you get up in the morning and say, good morning, God, or good God, it's morning? Are you achieving what you want? Is there balance in your life? Are your grades satisfactory in school? Are you healthy? Are you physically fit? Are you getting better? That's a good one. Are you getting better in life? If not, something needs to change in your life. And you, sweetheart, are the only one who can make it happen. But you have to believe it before you can achieve it because winning is a choice. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit SummitSA.com.